Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developer's podcast in bright and beautiful downtown Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. My co-host today is... Dave Anderson. Featuring the producer... William Jeffries. And our regular guest... Emmanuel Gennard. And today we'll be talking about starting a new project. So whether you moved from one project to the next, or you just got hired into the best company ever. You want to keep your eyes peeled for things that are currently happening in the team so you can better manage the situation and get to know people and use that fresh pair of eyes to see any discrepancies within the project to make it even better. So you just landed, boom, first day, Monday morning, you got your laptop under your arm and you're ready to take on the world. Yep. Pack lunch for mom. Boom, packed lunch already on deck with the sandwich and a, and a love note. Um, you're there at 9.30 and this is it. Like you have, you, you started this new project, this new team, you get to know people. I imagine as consultants, uh, we've had to do that many times. It's like going to high school again for the first time. Like yeah. just going to this thing, to a new company and whatnot. Yeah, um, even not even as consultants, you know, changing responsibilities within the same company same same client are the kids gonna like me yeah exactly i mean you gotta do first off you have to figure out the team dynamics and figure out if they're actually gonna like you um (laughs) i think that's important because that way you build rapport with the team and you can further uh gain trust from everyone on the team yeah i think it's like the the one thing that kind of happens inadvertently like even before you commit code it's like, yeah. the, you know, introduction, letting people know your name and what do you plan to do in the team and how to get work done and stuff like that is pretty, pretty big. And that even before they see your code or even if they have heard a lot about you in the same company, um, just getting to know one another is probably like the biggest thing before you jump into code. Yeah. I mean, when you start a new project, you're going to have a lot of questions. That's really what it boils down to. Um, and certain people are going to have the answers and some people might not have the answers. So you have to, you know, really keep your eyes open to find out who those people are and, mm-hmm. you know, get the lay of the land, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, is there anything that say anyone here does to try and build that rapport with the team specifically say, I, I'm not so much worried about how the code works or I've got my build set up and I know how to, you know, I've pulled the thing from GitHub. But is there anything you might want to do to say, get to know the people of the team, find out who knows what, and just how communication flows? The most helpful thing you can do is to genuinely be trustworthy. There's like, I think often the temptation to uh, to try and cheat and get ahead and be deceptive in a way that almost always backfires, particularly when you do it right at the beginning when people are just getting to know you and they don't trust you yet. Yeah. Um, there's also a little, a lot of little stuff that you can do. Like for some reason, there's something really primal about food. And if you give people food, particularly if you made the food, uh, people value that really disproportionately to the amount of work that it takes. To do. <laughs> oh. If you bring in baked goods or you take somebody out to lunch or even just for coffee, that, that really helps to build a rapport. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I like to be the receiver of food, and I think that that definitely works. Whether it's like uh, for coffee and stuff. I mean, because it's like, oh, this person, you know, decided to bring, you know, made it with their own hands and 
bake this bagel and it's delicious. I think that's like a pretty interesting thought. And that way you can build rapport because it's like icebreaker, like, oh, what did, how did you make this and whatnot? And then you can tell them your process on how you make bagels. Mm. And, and that way it's a conversation that you have. So I yeah. should learn to make cupcakes. I mean, I, <laughs> no, 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 only bagels. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think in that exercise as well, I mean, not to go and make bagels, stop being developers and start being bagelist or <laughs> bakers. Bakers, excuse me. That's bagelist. Game, no, that's, that's bagelist is when you only make bagels. <laughs> that's your religion, right? <laughs> so if you're, if you're um, using that, you can find people that are more outspoken or like kind of people in the team and then use that to your advantage to kind of help you and through the learning process of the team. Because oftentimes you join a team that's already been established. So you kind of have to learn the norms of the team. Like, you know, when people normally go to lunch or what are the meetings like and when when do you have like certain meetings and like stand up if there are different agile practices that mm -hmm. the company follows you want to learn that. And I think like someone giving you the rundown, like before it happens, is like more important because you get to anticipate that. But um, in the midst of you building rapport with your fellow coworkers, you can find kind of like the norms of the team. And then from there, you would have to like figure out who's more willing to help, who has the time, the, the bandwidth to help you, um, you know, because after you build the code base, you, then you can start pushing out features, but then you may need someone to go over how things work in these parts. So in terms of figuring out, say, the code base and things like that, right? Is there anything that I'm a new person here? Is there anything I should look out for, for instance, to know how to, in fact, start pushing out code or building new features or writing tests or whatever it is? Hopefully there's a readme. Mm. So you can start from that. Yes. And if there isn't a readme, then getting started is a good time to document those kind of questions and maybe formalize the process. Or if they do have a process, refine it, update it. Yeah. Uh, because things may have changed since they last had someone join and the build may no longer work. There may be random tests that don't pass for a fresh build. Right. So if you can take the time to help them uh, make things smoother for the next person, then I think that's that's a good time to do that. Like me personally, I'm kind of like a planner, sometimes maybe over planning. So I like to sit down before I go to a new client, like get there a little early, get a coffee and just think about a lot of questions. Like what, what all questions could I ask them? Um, and uh, so I like to get a little bit of background on the company, like where they came from, like where they started, what kind of challenges they might be having right now. Um, just, you know, go on Wikipedia, see if they're on there, go on Crunchbase, see if they're on there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, if it's a new company that you're starting. Um, if it's a new team, then maybe just asking around and getting some context about how this fits into like the larger whole, or maybe even asking like, you know, what is the larger whole? And another one that I like to ask is like, you know, what are they trying to get out of having me on the project or, you know, having me work on this code base? And also what am I trying to get out of it? Like what what are my goals and how does that mash up? Mm, those are really interesting. I really um, like the, what are they trying to get out of any of this project? You know, cause sometimes um, as a consultant, we kind of just get sent somewhere and you might be um, just either uh, an extra pair of hands or an extra brain, I guess. 
And that may be just what you want. E- even if you were just an extra pair of brains and hands, it would be helpful to have an idea of what I want out of the project. What am I hoping to get here? Maybe I'm learning a new tech. Maybe I am um, working with really interesting people or some, something like that. Or maybe the domain is just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And whether you're a consultant or not, you may have been brought in because you are particularly expert in backend or frontend or right. DevOps or... Uh, maybe you were brought in to be a team lead, or maybe you were brought in to be a junior, or you know whatever whatever expectations there are for you are important to know going into it so that you can be successful. Yeah, I think when you do come in to a new opportunity and a new project, you are possibly the freshest pair of eyes that have seen the code base. I think the example that Dave brought up earlier about um, you know if you're installing or setting up the application. You want to make sure that if there is no readme, start one. Like that's like a good way to implement just like a small change. Because then for the next person, it'll be 10 times easier and you can get ramp up that person a lot faster. That way you can spend less time ramping up someone else. But I think like, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to like architectural design, you're now the freshest pair of eyes who are seeing it. Um, database schema and stuff like that. And that way, with that in mind, you could then start like making suggestions and like having them like in your pocket and, you know, try to suggest it to people and see what they think. Because since you're looking at it for the first time to someone who may have been on this project for some time may overlook certain things that you now bring value to the team. Yeah, definitely. Or like they may have gotten used to the way something is and they no longer question it. And you can maybe not criticize how they're doing things, but just be like, you know, why why did you choose to do this? Like, right. like what what were the trade offs that you guys were facing? And yeah, I think I think that really helps because oftentimes I feel it's very easy. Like once you've been working on a new code base for a while, that yeah. you're just gonna get used to the way things are, and you'll accept it too. So you're only gonna have those fresh eyes once. You gotta right. make use of it. That's how we do things around here. It's like, well, <laughs> why? It's like, no, it's how we do things yeah. around here. And I think I, like to shake people up and to realize like, hey, we can, let's try this exercise, this option. Because like, you could think if you, I mean, the way that I see projects, I always look at the code base that I'm currently seeing as the person who implemented this feature did it the best that they can. Mm-hmm. But if they had, you know, a fresh pair of eyes, they can totally use that to their advantage to help build this feature. Yeah. I love, uh, learning all the new acronyms and things too, like the language that people have, like how they, how they talk to each other. Um, and like, especially with acronyms, you ask some people like, Hey, what, what is, what does this acronym mean? And they'll be like, I don't know. It's just, it's just that thing. (laughs) (laughs) It just doesn't mean anything. And then maybe that you find like the one person who knows what it is. And like (laughs) that, that person like has a lot of like knowledge and you know, you know, you can ask them about like, any other random thing too. And then going before about, um, you know, what to do before you have like, before you set up your machine and William brought up the good point of baking cookies. <laughs> um, the idea of just like building trust is very, very important, both inside as you're working and then like outside of work. Cause then, you know, the people you can ask for, you know, a hand when you need help in the code base. Uh, building trust is important, and I would definitely suggest food. Bake. I mean, I personally won't be a, a, a bakerist, but um, I I go off the route of like lunches and coffee is always helps out because you you want to share interest in you know building this feature or this new product or in this project that you're on. 
and you're going to need some help. So you kind of want to let people know that by, you know, letting them know over a coffee and so like, you know, breaking the ice, but not like nothing to, Hey, I need help. Oh my God, help me kind of thing. Like you don't want to do that. You just want to go and like say, Hey, I may need some help ramping up. And if you need help with anything, I'll be more than happy to help you and give a lot some time to do that. Mm, you know, it's, it's really, um, Every time we have these kinds of conversations, I'm always reminded of how so much of what we do is about building trust and rapport with whoever you're working with. And it's it's something that has to be that we have to come back to over and over again, you know, especially as a, a dev who's going to be switching teams a lot, going to different companies a lot. Um, we often have to come back to this building rapport, building trust. And it's it's very easy to forget, especially if if I've been at a client for a while and you kind of have that already, uh, or or you've been at a team for a while, you kind of have that already. Right. And so to go somewhere new, basically, you know, making friends in the daycare. Yeah. Same, right. <laughs> right. You go into a new daycare and you yeah. can make friends again, right? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta learn how to do, and it's different ways to like join a team. So like, yeah. the more you do it, the more easier it gets. The more you get a chance to look out for things, and your past experience is definitely helpful in the new project that you join. Yeah, I've I've been on projects where they're like, hey, you know, we have a ping pong table, play ping pong with us. It's like, okay, you're paying me to play ping pong. Yeah, well, like, <laughs> really, that's like your job too. You're there to like, you know, be friendly with people and when you need to bother them, they like you. And yes. <laughs> they may value your uh, inputs more. Yeah, they have a ping pong table at the client that I'm on and while it's great that people ask me for ping pong, I think it's because I'm horrible and they always win. So they, uh, they, get, a kick, they get a kick out of that one. But it is a good opportunity to bring up conversations about like certain parts of the code base and um, they're more likely to like be more relaxed when it comes to those conversations because it's a conversation over ping pong and mm -hmm. you can you can mention like hey you know i've noticed that this particular feature may not have enough coverage that that can slip through the cracks and you know we can introduce a new bug or whatnot yeah are you interested in that and it's like over ping pong so it's not like judgmental or anything like hey we want to make this this functionality testable and 100 percent like coverage but like yeah. over ping pong is like, hey, I have this concern. Like, what are your thoughts? And you get a conversation out of it through ping pong. I just had an epiphany. Like <laughs> ping pong is like the programmer's golf. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it really That's is. Good. Yeah, and uh, it's it's unfortunate because I'm really terrible at ping pong. Like, <laughs> I need to practice a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm bad at it too, though. But I think that like they have ping pong and they actually have a foosball table, which is like pretty interesting. Okay, but I'm bad. Foosball I can do because it's like it's relaxed. Like there's no balls like flying at me. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh that actually might not be a bad thing being bad at at ping pong. A lot of people who do golf for business. I was talking to my uncle who's a, a golfer. And, and does a lot of deals. Uh, he was saying that it's when people mess up that you get to see how they're really going to behave in crunch time. Uh, like when you hit the ball way, way deep into the woods, are they going to go and help you find that ball or are they going to get, you know, kind of annoyed that they're missing out on the next you know, the next nine holes of golf. So yeah. for me, I'm, so, I'm revealing that in a stressful situation, I'm just going to be sweaty and panic. Well, you reveal like, uh, I think actually more you discover what the other person is going to be like when you, uh, you know, maybe make a mistake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe yeah. you need to go to, to somebody for help. Yeah. I think actually that gets into another interesting point about how to develop trust with people, particularly when you're new to a project. 
And and that's about asking for favors. There's a, a story about Benjamin Franklin, not sure if it's apocryphal, that he had an enemy in the Senate, uh, somebody who just really didn't like him and who was always standing in his way on major policy decisions. And so he went to the guy and he said, hey, you know, I understand that there's a book in your library that I would just love to borrow. Um, you know, you're very well read and I uh, haven't been able to get a hold of this book. Would you loan it to me? Uh, and the guy said yes. And, and Benjamin Franklin you know, borrowed it for three days. I don't even know if he bothered reading it. But um, he returned it very promptly after three days and said, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having done that favor for me. And what happened was after that moment, that uh, senator stopped being a problem for him because in his head, it was harder to resolve the cognitive dissonance created by doing something nice for someone you don't like than it was to just start liking the guy. Right. Mm. So... You know, it gets back to a thing my father told me when I was in college. Favors are the foundations upon which friendships are built. So we are, um, we're constantly in the back of our minds keeping track. You know, who have I done a lot of stuff for who is really not paying me back? Like, maybe not in a, in a formal sense, maybe not in a financial sense. But right. You, you know, the mooch. You know, that friend who's always bumming and is never really contributing, doesn't pull his own weight. Like, people notice that. Yeah. And by contrast, you know the person who's always there, who's always giving, who you know you can count on in a pinch. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you were good about not just, uh, not just giving favors, but also asking for them and then being willing to be indebted to another person, being mm-hmm. willing to be called in for a favor at some point in the future, that's, that's how you really build trust. Right. That was really deep, man. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, the moral of the story is it's more than just, like, your coding capabilities, even though it is important with your fresh pair of eyes to make these, uh, you know, tactical decisions on what to implement and what to change. But it's also about building this rapport and trust with your team to ensure you deliver this product at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And as consultants, you get to experience that many times. So then you get to use that experience later on. Or if you're, if you work in a team or in a company that switches you out to different projects, I think it's also a great opportunity for you to gain those skills of fresh pair of eyes to look at things in a different light. I think it's very important for both the product that you're building and the project that you're on and you yourself to see all these different point of views. So, so what do you do to get ramped up on a new code base when you first start on a new project and you don't know where anything is or how anything works? I mean, I think I just peek around and just try to make sense of like the classes that are built or like the objects and how they're used. If a project is usable, I imagine like 90% of the things that you built are usable. So then I try to like, you know, create an account. Uh, with this product or try to use it and then see like, uh, what is this new thing that I'm building and what kind of value does it bring to the company as a whole? Um, but mm-hmm. it's just like diving into the source code and kind of like trying to read the tests. If there are any coverage, um, that gives me a better understanding of the code as well. I definitely I agree that having that surface level, like if there's something tangible about the code base that you can interact with, then that really helps understand better what the thing is and maybe give you an entry point into understanding how to like dig down into it. I also really like automated tools that make pretty pictures for me, like, uh, <laughs> you know, like database models and mm. uh, things like that. And often 
people just have been working on a project for so long that they just know this stuff and they don't have these things laying around or maybe they're out of date or it's sketched in someone's notebook. Right. And I don't have time for that. I'm just, I'm <laughs> using it on the <laughs> school. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would flail around a bit. <laughs> no, yeah. In flailing around, you know, what I actually like to do is follow a path through something in the code with the debugger. Mm. So I just keep going and going and going. And, and I try to predict what's going to happen, what the value I may be following is going to mm. be. And that allows me to have a, a bit, at least one of the roads that the sort of the, the code can go down. Right. I find that really valuable in just getting um, an understanding of something. Uh, I love debuggers. Yeah. It's awesome. I never thought about doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Opening up a REPL and then just calling random methods and seeing what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One thing I like to do is go to the, you know, the requirements txt or, or package json or, or gem file or whatever the whatever the location is where all of the external dependencies are kept and just see like what have people brought in and start to imagine why yeah mm-hmm. uh, oh they have cucumber they're probably into bdd i should go and look for some feature specs right or mm-hmm. um you know oh they have sidekick in here i wonder what kind of background jobs they're running mm-hmm. um I think that's really helpful. I think, like you said, Dave, going and and looking at a dependency graph that has all the classes or you know the schema for the database, or something like that, loaded up can be really helpful as well. I like to uh, go through the the README course. Yeah, that's a really good starting point. Yeah, um, I feel like there's some other key places you can go usually that have good stuff. Sometimes there's like wikis or document repositories where. The information may not always be up to date or entirely helpful, but it can be insightful because you can see what people were thinking about when they wrote it and what they thought was important yeah. and yeah. like how it changed. Because I, I've definitely, you know, been on projects where there's just like, you know, archaeological layers of documentation. <laughs> archaeological layers. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Also going to the GitHub repo, if, if there's a, a GitHub organization for the whole company and seeing what other repos there are besides the one you're working on. Yeah. Sometimes you can just dis- discover some skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> does, does anybody know what this app does? <laughs> no. Okay. Ooh, so someone wrote it in Lisp. I wonder why that was a Lisp thing. <laughs> I really hope we don't have any dependencies on that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, also, the tests going through and, and reading some of the tests, particularly if they do have feature specs, those are usually those will show you important happy paths. Yeah, I'm a big fan of checking out the test. Is just like a a code. Or developers read me, like, because you can see all the possible cases that were thought up in order to build this feature without it breaking entirely. So, seeing what was the thought process of the developers responsible for that code is pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly for the higher level tests. I think unit tests can be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah. Do we have any teaching learns? Yeah. I've uh, more like learning and relearning. I haven't done any Java code in four years. I think since the last time I touched Java code, I was predominantly a Ruby and Ruby on Rails developer. And then I moved over to front end React JavaScript. But now I'm working on a back end code based in Java. Back to your roots. Back, yeah. It's like that was the first professional programming language I did in Java. So, like to read Java code again is like really interesting. And then it's really painful at the same time because it's so verbose and it's strictly typed. But, um, 
I like the idea. So I use IntelliJ. Um, I believe we have one of those episodes on editors. Um, but I use IntelliJ for Java, and I really like the command click because it can show me the class that was instantiated. Mm. And if you try to use WebStorm, which is the JavaScript version, like you command click things, and it's like, I don't know what that is. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, what functions? Like 80 million execute functions. Which one are you referring to? I don't know. Yeah. So, like, to be able to know exactly where this object or where this class came from is like so nice. Like, it's not like a guessing game and I have to go back and find it and whatnot. Yeah. But Java's cool. I mean, it's um, it's back to, it's it's good to be back. <laughs> Java code. <laughs> so I'm hoping I can learn, um, learn some new things, but also use all the things that I've learned from previous programming languages like Ruby and, and JavaScript and make better Java code. Yeah, I, I used to, that, that was where I got my start programming as well. So I've, I've kind of wondered how that kind of experience would be. Because I, I feel like I've grown a lot as a programmer since I stepped away from Java. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, it would be an interesting experience for sure. Uh, and one note to add, because it's not, um, I know Java 1.8 or Java 8, as the community calls it. It's a thing that people are using, but I'm doing Java 6. So it's like probably the same Java version that I did four years ago. <laughs> oh, right now. And it's like, and it's like, oh, it's like, I never, it's like riding a bike. Right? Bring, bring it back. Bring it back. Just ride a bike and, you know, don't Man. land on your knees and everything's all good. Man, back when generics were new. Yeah. Right? No, it was, it was, it's really cool. I mean, it's like good to be able to still understand that. I think it's awesome for me. Cool. Uh, I like to thank uh, my co host and producer and our regular guest over to this episode on joining a project. We all hope you learn something from it, whether it's building trust by baking goods and be- <laughs> be- being a, a bagelist, as I called it before, <laughs> um, to figuring out ways to learn the, this new code base that you'll be reading through. I'd like to thank all our listeners out there. Feel free to contact us on Twitter at Radio Free Rabbit. This is The Rabbit Hole, and we'll see you next time.